everyone. This is Jason Rolison back with you on the BuckoCast. Thanks for joining me. And we are brought to you, as always, by the Pittsburgh fan. You know these guys right across the street from PNC Park. They are the one-stop shop for any Pittsburgh sports merchandise you may need. Memorabilia, clothing, hats, quite a selection of hats, actually. You name it. So next time you're headed to PNC Park, why don't you leave it a little early, go over there and see what they have. And right now, if you use promo code BuckoCast, you'll get 15% off your order in-store or online. So check them out. And follow them on Twitter at the Pit P I T T Fan. All right, guys. So this podcast is going to be a little bit different. We're going to spend the first segment talking about one topic in particular, rather than trying to uh, sprawl out and cover too much. And the second segment is going to be all about your voicemails, texts, uh, tweets about this team right now. Kind of a letdown, of course, uh, losing two out of three to the Diamondbacks after getting three out of four in the win column against the Cardinals. So thankfully, as many have pointed out, the Pirates do not have to play the Diamondbacks anymore. And that's a relief. So we'll talk about Chris Archer first. And uh, before I do that, though, I want to tell you guys that Josh Taylor was unable to do a table setter this week because he was in Jamaica. So I'm sure he's very broken up about that. And uh, you know, when he gets back and gets back on Twitter again, you know, please feel free to heckle him, you know, boo him, uh, jeer him, if you will. Uh, but no, he'll be back next week, so I uh, just want to let you know what happened there. Okay, so let's talk Chris Archer because the boy got rocked against the Diamondbacks last last time out. There's just no better way to say it that would result in a clean podcast anyway. So let's talk about what exactly is wrong with Chris Archer at this point in time. And I think I'll start off with this stat for you. I put this out on my Twitter. Please feel free to follow me there. I really love interacting with you all. At Jay Rollison, PGH. J-R-O-L-L-I-S-O-N-P-G-H. And here it is. Chris Archer has had 12 starts over the past two and a quarter seasons. So 2017 through this very moment, about a quarter way through 2019. 12 starts over that time frame in which he has had only five swinging strikes or less on his slider. So 12 games, 12 starts in the past two and a quarter seasons has he had not many whiffs on what is supposed to be his best pitch. His out pitch, his pitch that makes, when it's working, makes a lot of people look foolish. 12 starts, 6 have come since he joined the Pirates. 6. Half to, half of that total, 50%. In, you know, was it almost, still under 30 starts, I believe. I'm going to have to check the number. But that's pretty alarming. Now, there's going to be times when a, a pitcher goes out there and they just don't have their best swing and miss stuff unless your name is Randy Johnson, who seemingly always had it, you know, or um, Nolan Ryan, his prime, <laughs> you know, even Max Scherzer nowadays. You know, they're not going to have the swing and miss every time they want it on demand. So when that happens, you have to fall back on contact quality and, and just making sure you can execute your pitches and let the defense work behind you and all that good stuff. But, you know, I'm here to tell you guys – the slider isn't exactly working, and here's why. Let's look at it by count, okay? Now, he's ahead 0-1, okay, um, which is really the only time you can be ahead when you think about it because we have two strikes as our own category, but I digress. I'm going to talk exclusively in XWOBA, expected weighted on base average, which takes your exit velocity and your launch angle, assigns it a hit probability, compares it to a, a standard uh, set across all of MLB, just like Woba would be calculated, but it uses those two uh, those two factors heavily. So that's what I'm going to use for the bulk of these stats, just to keep things uh, nice and uniform. When he's ahead 0-1, 6.5 uh, 
Slider gets tagged for a 670 Wilbo. When he's behind, now that includes a 1 0 count, a 2 0 count, 2 1, 3 0, 3 1, 325 X Wilbo. And just so you know, the league rate for all pitches, like for all pitches and all pitchers, is 319. So keep that for reference. And even count, which means 0 0 or 1 1, slider does pretty well. 202. Really good. At two strikes, that means 0 and 2, 1 and 2, 2 and 2, 3 and 2. He has an X Wilbo of 262. Now, with everything I just said, especially the league averages, you think that's not so bad. Um, well, you know, I'm here to tell you that it's actually not great compared to um, others in Major League Baseball, his peers. There are 64 Major League pitchers right now who have uh, registered at least 50 qualifying XWOBA events, meaning batted balls mainly. And of those, Chris Archer has the 15th worst. Okay? So yes, while the pitch may have a good a good XWOBA of 261, it's not necessarily great when judged against you know his peers. And this kind of ties into what we thought about Chris Archer when we first acquired him, number one, and when we first started to think about what his 2019 might look like. You know, famously, Archer has been a two-pitch pitcher for, you know, I don't even know how long. So last year you saw him start to bring back the sinker a little bit. And this year kind of featured a changeup a little bit. But I'm here to tell you that when it counts, when it really counts, when he's behind an account or trying to put a hitter away, two strikes, those pitches aren't great either. So when he's behind in the count, again, 1-0, 2-0, the sinking fastball, the sinker fastball that he had to bring back just to have something, gets an XWOBA of 7.29. At even counts, 0-0 and 1-1, we'll throw that in there too, why the heck not, XWOBA of 5.47. At two strikes, again, 0-2, 1-2, 2-2, he has an XWOBA of 4.25. Bad pitch all around. Now, you're not going to generate a lot of whiffs with a sinking fastball. I think any Pirates fan uh, who's followed the team over the last uh, five or six years knows that by now, I hope. But it's not supposed to be tagged that hard either, and it's supposed to be a complimentary pitch to the slider if you're a traditional thinker. In terms of pitch design, a lot of people like um, matching a slider up with the sinker because the movement is different. Velocity uh, kind of ticks off a little bit from the four seam, so it's a little harder to distinguish if you're going to see a sinker or a, or a, a four-seamer. And, oops, it's a slider. So traditionally that's been the MO, but a lot of people nowadays are pairing a four-seam fastball, you know, standard fastball with a slider. And Chris Archer's fastball has been objectively bad throughout his career. And let's run through the same exercise today for the four-seam fastball. So ahead at 0-1, X-Wilba 4-0-1. Behind, XWOBA of 325. Okay, that's pretty close to league. Excuse me, I correct myself. 487, excuse me, so you know, quite a bit above league average. At even count, 0 0, 1 1. Four seam fastball, 500 XWOBA. Now let's put an asterisk next to that one because his actual WOBA is 146. So he's been, might have been benefiting from some defense there. You know, might have had a, a little bit of luck there, so we'll put an asterisk next to that one. But at two strikes, here we go 0 and 2, 1 2, 2 2, 3 and 2. Xwoba of 226. Okay, so there's something we can hang our hat on. But the disparagement between what Archer throws in two strikes is pretty significant. Uh, Slider's been seen uh, 
Let's see here, 84, 84 times this year in a, a two-strike count. Forcing fastball 54, so that's right about the uh, 45 and 33%. That's right about uh, the mix he's had for his career. But what's different this year is the forcing fastball is either you know, something that pitchers offer at or they do not whiff at all. There's no real late life to it, if you noticed his fastball. If he doesn't locate it, that's where he gets into trouble because it's only generating 7.1 whiffs per swing. Uh, and again, league average rate from all pitches for all pitchers is 23.9%. You know, look, there's nowadays in baseball, there's very few pitchers out there who can successfully and consistently generate whiffs per swing on a four-seam fastball. It's just not, um, you know, unless your name is Felipe Vasquez or Jordan Hicks, there's really just, and you have that blazing velocity, there's just no need or no want for a hitter to not offer at it and, and make a connection as long as it's in the zone. So that's an oversimplification to be sure, but this kind of paints the picture of, so with Archer, you know, the slider's not working, you got to go to the four-seam fastball. But the four-seam fastball is hittable, so what do you do then? Uh, if you look around, the changeup is actually a pitch that Archer might want to use a little more. Uh, when he's ahead at 0-1, the whiffs per swing is 66.7. Granted, small sample size of only 15 pitches in that situation. But the usage is right around the same for all his pitches there. Uh, behind the count, uh, you know, no whiffs, but not, not much sample size to speak of. When he's even at 0-0-1-1, the changeup comes out to play a little more at 14%. Uh, X Wilba of only uh, 280. So, hey, there's something. And again, two strike counts with a changeup. X Wilba of 195, 14.3% whiff per swing rate, which is excellent for for a changeup there. So, he has good enough separation there, about eight miles eight miles per hour of separation on average between that and his forcing fastball. So, one wonders what it might look like if he commits to the changeup in certain situations and and just goes with it. Right, so you don't want to get too predictable as a pitcher. You don't want to say, "Okay, here's the comes this guy. I know when he gets behind, he's going to throw this pitch, or I know when he gets ahead, he's going to throw the slider." That kind of thing. But when you're Chris Archer and you have uh, you know, just such middling results that you've had over the past month, and especially uh, you know with the expectations on him, and everyone's talking about the Glass Now trade, it's just a good idea, and it would behoove you to really, really mix it up. I think. Um, maybe the slider needs to be de-emphasized, right? Uh, he has a curveball that you know people say can do some damage, but has has not been seen much. Only uh, I can do the quick math. Only four, five times this year at that. So maybe you, th- you keep him honest by throwing a little bit of a slower curve in. Maybe you uh, put the change up a little earlier on the count. You know, maybe try to get up to ahead on the hitter because when he's ahead. Um, you know, aside from that forcing fastball, he actually works pretty well. So it's just such a you know, such a quagmire because the guy has talent, right? You know, to step away from the stats for a second, the guy has the talent. He's got the attitude to match. You really want to see him succeed, but it's just not happening for him right now. It's kind of exasperating, actually. But if you want to just put, let's just just end it here. We'll take away, we'll strip away all counts, all situations, no runners on base, just plain raw stats. And here we go with X Wilba again. His slider, X Wilba of 289. Okay, good. His forcing fastball, X Wilba 370. The sinker that he had to bring back, 533. The changeup that he uh, wants to keep hitters honest with is 292. So 
Let's maybe de-emphasize that sinker a little bit. Your four-seam fastball is bad, so why not maybe use that a little less as well? I you know I hate to be the kind of guy that points to just usage to be that guy. Oh, he's throwing this too much. He's throwing that too much. The Pirates wanted to pitch inside. The Pirates wanted to pitch to contact. No, they did not bring Chris Archer here to be a pitch to contact hitter with a pitcher. Excuse me, with a slider that's strictly so and so. He was brought here for that slider. And at times it looks like he can locate it like he was in his prime. And other times, you know, it seems it's very hittable. The spin rate is about the same. Velocity is about the same. Uh, if you look at the movement rates, there's a little bit of fluctuation, but it's well within what I would call the range of normal year-to-year fluctuation. It's not like it stopped moving, right? So it's just so frustrating. I, I can feel the frustration of Pirates fans on Twitter every single time he goes out there and has a bad start. Uh, the echoes and the voices are amplified, and it's going to get, you know, I don't want to say it's going to get worse before it gets better, but I think there's some really serious overhaul that needs to be done. I really do. Um, and, you know, another thing that quite bothers me, to be quite honest with you, is that as he's coming back, I believe the reports are, and this has been, I believe, I, I can't even remember who had it out there first, but he did not want to have a rehab start. The Pirates gave him the option, I believe, and. Uh, he decided to throw a sim game uh, rather than an actual rehab start. And I think, I put this out on Twitter as well, when the Diamondbacks got off to the hot start in that first inning, I think this is where managers, hitting coaches, bench coaches really can earn their paychecks because they knew they were coming up against a guy just coming on his way back, um, wanting to show well. As as good of a guy as he is, you know he's hearing the voices about Glass now and Archer I think that's a factor as well. So I think the Diamondbacks purposefully laid off a little bit because some of those sliders were, you know, pretty well located and they were just laying off. And that's why all of a sudden you have two walks in the first inning, including a leadoff walk. That's why you you walk the pitcher later in the game. So, you know, I why didn't the Pirates force him to take a rehab start? You know, I understand the Pirates are on the forefront of many things, but I've talked about this on previous episodes. It seems like they always misplay these injuries. It just seems that way, in one way or another. Uh, whether it be Dickerson, you know, had, reporting this pain in his shoulder early in spring training, with the Pirates letting him continue and planning to have him on the opening day lineup. Uh, okay, again, Andrew McCutcheon in fourteen. I'm wondering why they weren't a little more forceful there. They want to perhaps keep the player in the right right headspace mentally and not force something like this on them. But if there's ever a time. You lost your number one pitcher in Jamison Tyon. Not going to be back until July, the earliest. You need Chris Archer to step up and be that ace, or that co-ace with you know, Trevor Williams at this point. And yet you let him just throw a simulated game, 60, innings, 60 pitches against uh, some of your guys. You know, that's not really going to cut it for me. I would have really loved to see a rehab start. Would it have helped? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what exactly, and I'm not qualified to answer what exactly the difference is between throwing 60 pitches to rehabbing guys and Elias Diaz versus, you know, going up against AAA hitters who are presumably uh, well enough to be called, good enough to be called up uh, to a major league club, you know, if a need arises or, or that kind of thing, just on the doorstep of major league baseball, in other words. It's hard to quantify, but I can't think it would have done anything but help. And that's the frustrating thing about that. So we'll have to track Archer going forward, but what I would do if you're watching Archer and you really want to just understand what's going on with him, 
watch his usage and counts. Uh, see how hard the sinker and the four seam get tagged, and then see if his slide is moving on any given night and see what that can do for him. All right, we're going to take a quick break to hear from one of our sponsors, and we'll be right back with more BuckoCast coming back with your thoughts on the Pirates. All right, let's get going with uh, your thoughts on the Pirates. We'll start with the, the text line from Josh, who says, So, the Pirates have scored more than seven runs exactly once this season. Josh Bell has obviously been doing his thing, as has Marte recently. When can we expect more runs? What do the Pirates need to do to score more? Pitching is usually, nice qualifier there, doing all it can. I think the answer here is going to be when Adam Frazier gets going and when Francisco Cervelli gets going. Obviously, that middle of the order, or middle of the top half of the order, I should say, uh, Marte at two, Polanco at three, Bell at four, are carrying the load right now. But you're also counting on contributions from Frazier and from Cervelli. Uh, for a piece that's coming on Monday at DKPittsburghSports.com, I'm writing about the known weaknesses for every Pirates hitter right now. And with Adam Frazier, what I'm seeing is that, and this goes back to last year, he is very streaky when it comes to collecting extra base hits. Uh, last year, he uh, had about 23 doubles as well as his 10 home runs. So from Adam Frazier, you'll, you know, that might actually be a good season. That might be the ceiling for him in terms of extra base hits. But when he does connect on a pitch, he takes it to the gap, right, a lot, it seems. Um, but when he doesn't connect, he can, you know, pound out a single for you. He is a glorified singles hitter right now. And you wonder how he can get more extra base hit power because he can hit the gap when he connects. It's just that, you know, whether it be pitches on the outside that he can't really drive or not necessarily connecting when they're in the zone, that's what I find with him. And he can go quite a few games without an extra base hit, you know, as, as I saw last year uh, before he came back. And then, you know, this year he's having that as well. When he came back from a from, uh, AAA Indianapolis last year, didn't really show that, you know, it was a little more consistent. And look, I think there is not a 40-double slugger on this team besides Josh Bell. Um, but if Adam Frazier can at least give you the threat of taking an extra base, I think that can go a long way. And Francisco Cervelli, look, I know he's hitting the, bell, the ball well lately, and he has been babbipped to death a little bit. Batting average on balls in play is not not great. Um, with some pretty good exit velocity at times, especially after changing his stance. Had tip to Alex Stone for pointing that out. He's not getting on base either while he's not hitting. So all of a sudden, you have a lineup that is very short. If the if the opposing pitcher can get through that top half of the lineup with maybe mitigating any damage that Bell's going to do to you, maybe uh, taking advantage of Polanco and Marte here and there, you know, getting him into a couple bad swings, it's it's very easy to get out of the out of the lineup after you get past the top four. You know, and I'll just say that after that top four. Now we'll see what Colin Moran can do. Maybe he can string some games together. Um, you know, Cole Tucker, maybe he can start to see fastballs better and, and not be so inept at two-strike counts. But, you know, Gong not performing really set this team back, and Dickerson not being there as well. Now it's funny because now you kind of wonder, well, where the hell would they even put Dickerson in if he was on this team? Because you do not want to touch Josh Bell right now, and Polanco either for that matter. And Marte, if you're not going to hit him too, where are you going to hit? 
you know, when he comes back and if he shows he can hit, maybe you put him at leadoff, as crazy as that sounds. Maybe you put him way down in the order, you know, 7th or 8th to kind of lengthen it a little bit. Uh, but back to Cervelli for a second. He's not getting on base either. And when he's not hitting, he used to always be able to get on base, um, take quite a few pitches, and make a pitcher work. All that cumulative stuff that you see there. But right now, his on-base percentage is 267. Now listen, so for some players, they have to hit their on-base percentage, right? Their average is gaudy, but their walk rates are low. And Cervelli is not that guy. He's always been able to have that on-base on capability if he's not hitting the ball. So, I mean, that's, you know, that's, that's it in a nutshell. And Melky Cabrera, we can't not mention him. As well as, he's, as well as he's played, and look, a 339, 375, 471 slash line is nothing to sneeze about. Um, he hasn't been there in terms of run production. He hasn't had that many opportunities to drive runs in. Uh, 12 RBI on the year. That's actually third on the team, believe it or not. Fifth, fourth, excuse me. Uh, Bell, of course, leads. Then you have Marte with 17, uh, Kyle Moran with 15, and then Melky Cabrera at 12. So, you know, Cabrera as well lengthens that lineup a little bit, but there's also too many holes. Um, that's just how I look at it right now. It's it's frustrating to under, not to understand where the runs are going to come from on any given night. That's pretty much how it is. At F Stover 1 asks, Is there any hope for the pitching staff with so many injuries? And the pen looking far less than expected. Yeah, absolutely. Trevor Williams is still Trevor Williams. Jordan Lyles looks like the steal of the offseason, at least in the NL Central, in terms of pitching, starting pitching anyway. And Joe Musgrove, you know, besides the blip, the couple starts there, I still think he's maybe pound for pound, dollar for dollar, uh, soup to nuts, insert other cliche here. I think he might be the best pitcher on the staff. I think he's dynamic enough that he gets kind of slump-proof, even though there were two split tarts in a row that were less than ideal. You know, I think that he's he's uh, protected from having those prolonged stretches of ineffectiveness or, or even average performance because of the variety of pitches he can throw. If something isn't working this start, let's try this. Let's try emphasizing this pitch in the next start. So I think, yeah, there's a lot of hope there. I mean. Obviously, no, no team would ever want to lose someone like Jameson Tyon. So for this rotation to survive until Tyon gets back or even Archer rounds into form, knock, knock, uh, they're going to have to rely on Trevor Williams and Joe Musgrove and, and Jordan Lyles, and I am confident in that. I really am. Call me crazy, but I love Lyles' breaking stuff, and Trevor Williams is now adding uh, you know, a slider that's a lot more effective this season, believe it or not, to go along with the changeup. Changeup was last year's coming out party for Williams. This year it's it's the uh, slider. Anything that gives him less strain on his fastball, which he's so good at locating, but anything that, that relieves him from that pressure of having to locate it can really make every other pitch better. And for the bullpen, you know, look, you have the weapon in the back of the bullpen with Felipe Vasquez. You have a very, very, very sturdy guy in Kyle Crick with a fantastic out pitch as well. And, hey, I wrote about a DK Pittsburgh Sports this last week. Let's talk about Francisco Liriano. Uh, strand rate is high. Strikeout rate is high. Slider's working again. Pirates don't have to really tinker with him because, hey, he's a reliever. Just go out there and throw him, big fella. So he's really found his filth again. And can't say enough about what he's done. So suddenly he can handle these higher leverage situations. If Richard Rodriguez would just stop giving up home runs, you know he would look a lot better. There's a lot to like in this bullpen. 
But the problem is the front end of it is just not inspiring at all. Uh, you have Michael Feliz looked well to begin with, but it didn't really inspire much confidence after that. Uh, Montana Durapo is a great unknown. Chris Stratton is as middling as they come for me. Um, I profiled him a couple days ago on BucksDugout.com. And, you know, let me refer to those notes to uh, talk about a little more. Because everyone knows to talk about a new edition, right? Right. So let me just uh, refresh my notes here. So, yeah, uh, every Tuesday at BucksDugout.com I put out the three-pack, which is a fancy kind of gimmick for me to put out three quick facts about something on the Pirates. And uh, what I found about Strat is he has a pretty big pitch mix. Uh, throws, I would say, four of them with regularity. Four-seamer at 45.1%, a slider with 259 curve 18.8%, change-up 85 and then you have a sinker and a cutter that, you're, that are rarely seen. That's a little bit to work with. So he's a three-pitch reliever in, in all actuality. A chain, excuse me, a four-seamer, a slider, and a curveball. That's a pretty good, pretty standard loadout. Um the fastball is a little flat, 90.5 miles per hour, not really going to um, blow anyone by. And what that does, and, you know, I'm not going to velocity queen by any chance, <laughs> but if you are not someone with a very good breaking ball, if you don't have that well-defined out pitch, you have to really commit to the craft of pitching. You have to change eye levels, change velocities, and that's where a lower velocity comes into play. I think people lose sight of this sometimes. If I can't mix and match, say, 90, even to say 93 and then like an 89-mile-per-hour slider, um, you know, but no, I've got to match it with a 91-mile-per-hour uh, a fastball, it's not going to go over that well. Um, so another thing confounding uh, Chris Stratton is that he just doesn't get too many two-strike counts this season. Uh, out of 284 pitchers with at least 20 innings pitched, he ranks 279th in percentage of pitches being thrown in two-strike counts. Uh, so when he does get to those counts, he throws 39 breaking balls, but only generated three, count them, three whiffs on those breaking balls. Now, sample size can only excuse so much, I think. And again, just a lack of a clearly defined out pitch. So he has to become a pitch-to-contact reliever. And it's not exactly not exactly a desirable trait for a mid-inning reliever or even, you know, a guy, a fireman, like he, the role he played against the Diamondbacks the other day. So you want to look at the uh, contact peripherals. And here's the thing with Stratton. He's really, it's really a mixed bag in terms of uh, peripherals. Now, fly ball rate, he gives up 25% fly balls. The MLB wide rate for relievers right now is 21.7, so about uh, three and a half um, percentage higher than the league rate. Ground ball rate, 42.6. The league rate is 45.1, so less ground balls. Soft contact, he generates only a 14% clip. The MLB rate for a reliever is 18. Hard hit rate, Stratton, 38.3. MLB, 36.4. And barrel, Stratton, 8.3. And MLB, 6.2. So really, um, he doesn't pitch to contact very well. And then you have Let's talk about times through the order because a lot of the, the criticism was, well, or the observation at least was, you know, well, he's not making it as a starter. Maybe he can be an effective bullpen guy. Well, he actually has kind of what I would call reverse splits, quote-unquote, um, in terms of times through the order. Um, 
the first time through the order, Forstein gets tagged at a 300 batting average clip. Excuse me, this is a OPS, excuse me. No, no, wait, I'm sorry. Let me, uh, let me adjust my glasses and read this just once more time. Okay, this is uh, slugging, actually. Excuse me, slugging. Okay. Uh, 300 on the four-seam fastball the first time through the order, so that's fine. But the changeup, 1.250. The slider, 588. Curve, 800. Again, these are slugging. And that first time through the order has a pretty sturdy sample size in terms of the four-seam, the slider, and the curve. 93 four-seamers, 67 sliders, 24 curves. So kind of reverse splits there. does much better, well, if you want to call it that, against uh, at least on the slider and change in the second time through the order. So I didn't mean to spend five minutes talking about Chris Stratton, but when the Pirates are as frustrating with a team as they are, they can't quite seem to put another lengthy winning streak together after giving everybody so much hope against the Cardinals. This is what happens. You end up talking about Chris Stratton a lot more than you ever thought you would. A couple more uh, on the uh, – this is actually from Twitter. And again, please follow me at J Rollison PGH. Our buddy Murray at Spazaru, S P A Z A R U. You know, I talk with Murray a lot on Twitter, and I finally just realized Spazaru. That's pretty, pretty good, Murray. Murray says, I'm trying to figure out when Archer's contract is up. Are the next two seasons guaranteed or option years? Now, before I answer that, let's think about this for a second. Last year, last July 31st, everyone was so so hyped that Arch, they got Archer, right? A controllable starter for the next three years. And we're already starting to talk about, or at least entering in discussion of, what are his options? What can the Pirates do with him? So let's answer the question. In 2020, he has a team-only option for $9 million with a buyout of $1.75 million. 2021, he has an $11 million team option with a $0 buyout. So there's your answer, Murray. I don't think there's any realm of possibility that the Pirates are even thinking but not picking up next year's option at the very least. And, you know, I would even venture to say with a commitment they've made to trade in prospect cost and, and player cost to acquire him, it would take a serious, serious collapse not to bring him back in 2021 uh, for $11 million, which is ex- still, even in 2021 dollars, very, very reasonable rate for a starting pitcher. Now... The Pirates, of course, famously listened to everyone, listened on offers for everyone over the last couple of years of their contract. So I could change on a whim, but I also don't think there's going to be a lot of people knocking down the door with attractive packages either. So there's your answer, Murray. <laughs> okay, so we're going to end this, this uh, podcast with kind of a pretty good question to end it on from Twitter, at Pirates Nation, with an extra end at the, at the end of there. Simply put, should the Pirates be concerned about Chris Archer? The answer is yes. Absolutely. Aren't you worried? I'm worried. Slider doesn't work. Can't find the right pitch mix. Forcing fastballs junk. That's about it. So I want to thank you very much for joining me on this episode of the BuckleCast. We're going to have Josh back next week. Uh, I want to encourage you guys to follow me on Twitter at PGH. J-R-O-L-L-I-S-O-N-P-G-H. You can find my writing at DKPittsburghSports.com and twice a week at BucksDugout.com as well. Uh, for DK Pittsburgh Sports, you know, I'd really love to see you guys subscribe there. You can try the first month for 99 cents. Uh, we are really trying to build some good Pirates coverage over there and work that you can be really proud of and, and really get something out of. So please give us a shot. 
And uh, that's it for today. Thanks very much. We'll talk to you next week.